Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston for the big fight reaction. What a slugfest Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz was just happened. A mere what? Not even 12 hours ago for us. It's like about eight or nine hours ago that fight's just happened and we've managed to catch it in the midst of the morning and we're here to react to that particular fight and of course Liam Smith, Natasha Jonas, Dan Azizha Kempitas, Isaac Cruz's stunning knockout. Lots to talk about, lots to dissect through but it's a pleasure as always to have you back on. You've not been on like a show, yeah. the big fight or reaction show for a couple of weeks have you? You've been so busy. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, I know Luke, he jumped in and done a great job. I did listen back to that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, he's like, I think you said he's like the third Amigo at the minute, isn't he, Luke? So, big shout out to Luke for coming in and stepping in and uh, filling the void for me. Uh, so, yeah, first one back for a long time. So, you know, it's been a good weekend. Um, I th- you know, we'll go through the cards. Uh, Liverpool card probably could have been a, a bit better. Uh, there's some definitely some talking points there, but the main one was the heavyweight fight, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it sort of went how I suspected it would go so well you you know in terms of predictions i think it was uh lukey that said ruiz was going to win and i said ortiz was going to win and i even went for that in our sort of boxing predictions group that we have going as well with the lads at espr you know i was i just had this feeling ortiz might do it but then obviously watching the fight back and seeing ruiz in some sort of shape well you know i thought he looked quite decent considering the type of body type he has it's obvious that he's never going to be you know a, a an anthony joshua physique he's always going to be that type of physique that he's got but it's the pedigree that he's always had and the hand speed that he's always had which played a factor in this particular fight and in round two in particular what a fantastic round it was because Andy Ruiz catches Luis Ortiz he puts him down not once but twice in the round but then Luis Ortiz 
sees fires back with some heavy shots as well and, and keeps it really competitive and then throughout the course of the fight you can see it sort of going back and forward but I always felt Ruiz was was in control of the fight itself but you could see that you know, Ortiz is always dangerous. There's always something there. There's always that big shot that he could possibly land. And he did on a couple of occasions with Ruiz. He hurt him. He didn't put him down, but he certainly hurt him on a couple of occasions where Ruiz had to clinch and cover up to be able to effectively get away from that onslaught that Ortiz was bringing. It makes you think whether a younger version of Ortiz might have actually finished the job, but with him being as old as he is now at the age of 43 and some suspect older... I think it was hard for him to be able to effectively maintain that pace in the course of the fight. And I think that's probably what let him down in this particular fight. That and the fact that the hand speed of Andy Ruiz was as good as it always was and as good as it was against Joshua and what bamboozled Joshua in their first fight. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was a good event and I enjoyed seeing the fact that Wilder was there ringside. So it's obvious that from the preview show me and Lukey did, we were talking about this was kind of a semi-final to the Wilder Hellenius fight and eventually the winner of that might meet the winner of this and it seemingly looks that way to me that that possibly is going to happen. So I'm going to hand this over to you and just get your thoughts on the fight, the victory for Ruiz, Ortiz's performance and and overall what you felt about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I felt the uh, writing was on the wall for Ortiz, um, literally because of the fact that you know, he gets knocked down by a jab in his previous fight against Charles Martin. And I felt his legs were starting to go. You could see that, although he managed to obviously recover uh, in the uh, Ruiz fight. And he was able to continue. And they've both got good chins. I mean, look, I know people are going to look at the wild fight and say, yeah, well, you know, Wilder knocked out Ortiz twice. But, I mean, we've mentioned it before. Ortiz was in control of that fight for a while. It was majority of those rounds. Um, so he's always shown he's a good boxer. It's just, you know, the legs had gone. I think... You know, people say he's 43, 43 going on 60, I think, isn't he? I mean, uh, he's he's an old, old boy. Um, and, you know, look, to his credit, if he is that old, if he is knocking on 50, you know, he's in there with a guy a lot younger than him. Uh, as you say, the hand speed was was vital. The timing of the shots were, were vital. And and barring the knockdowns, it was quite a close fight. So, um, and credit to Ortiz for continuing and getting back to his feet. I think that second one was not a knockdown for me. I think... Uh, they mentioned it on commentary where he's sort of feeling the effects from the first knockdown and it was sort of a push, really. Uh, he sort of forced Ortiz down because his legs were a bit wobbly and a bit gone. But he continued on, he fought on, um, and he pressed the fight most of the time. Even He recovered pretty quickly, to be fair to him, but Ruiz, his timing, his speed was just better. Um, those knockdowns eventually see him through. But, I mean, the other thing I would like to mention is the fact that I think before the fight even started. Uh, you had Sean Porter saying that the winner of this fight is going to be considered the third best heavyweight in the world. I thought that was way off for me. Uh, not for me at all. I mean, there's there's other guys out there, fringe fellas that are also in contention. You look at Joyce, you look at Parker, you look at even Daniel Dubois recently, you know, their guys, even Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, you know, all these fellas are all going to be sort of in and around. And you've got obviously the main one, Usyk and, and Fury, which doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Fury is potentially coming out saying he's going to he's going to fight someone at some point this week. Um, it won't be um, Usyk. I know that for a fact because Usyk said he's got some mental issues going on in his life at the moment. He wants to take a couple of months out and then begin training again. No doubt he will still be training. And uh, a great aspect of Usyk is his mental ability, his mental strength. So I absolutely give him the utmost respect for saying that. And after the shit he's been through in, in his own his home country, I can understand why. 
So um, I don't think he's avoiding Tyson Fury. I think it's a fight that will happen next year. I would love to see Tyson Fury, Joshua. I still think it's a fight that should be made, even though Joshua's lost twice. I do, honestly. I mean, they're talking about Joshua coming back out soon. I know I'm going off on a tandem and jumping well ahead, Sean, but uh, it does, at the end of it, I mean, they're calling that fight Ruiz and Ortiz, the WBC eliminator. So does that mean maybe Tyson Fury is going to be the next opponent? Maybe he's going to call one of them two out before... Um, sort of before Wilder even fought fights Hellenius. but it, look, it's, it's made it interesting. I think Ortiz now is a gatekeeper. He's, he's he either retires or he sticks around and just gets a few more paychecks um, fighting, probably like guys like Charles Martin and things like that again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting about the third best heavyweight in the world. It's it's up for debate. It's hard to sort of pinpoint who you would put down as that. Do you put Joshua? Do you put Wilder? And then do you put anyone else after that point? I think, for me personally, you have to consider, regardless of Joshua losing back-to-back, I think you have to consider him as the third best heavyweight. With, with With Wilder behind him, hit between them two, they're third and fourth best heavyweights. Until one of the other fighters below them, what we consider to be below them, beats him. So you say like a, a Dillian White, or you say like a Daniel Dubois, or a Joe Joyce, or any of them names that you just threw out there, or, or even some of the other names in the division that are coming up, in the heavyweight division until any of them names beat a Joshua or they beat a Wilder then for me it's them two names that have to yeah of course they have to be they have to be Mm -hmm. they're both former world champions you know Anthony Joshua multiple belt world champion two time world champion you can't not put him you know, in that top four of the fighters around at the moment, I think you have to put him there. Same with Wilder as well. I can't discount him out of the equation, regardless of his back-to-back losses to Tyson Fury. They're both in the same position. It depends on what 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 you want to put them there for in merit. Are you putting other people in front of them because they've just because they've lost? It really depends on sort of the yeah. parameters Sean Porter was talking about, which he didn't sort of really explain them types of parameters. He just sort of said it as Andy Ruiz is the third best heavyweight. Well, not for me maybe the fifth maybe the sixth but certainly not third definitely not he's definitely risen his stock after that fight he's proven that he's definitely a contender again and he'd be a worthy challenger to another heavyweight in the division and he'd definitely give he'd definitely give fighters problems it's obvious he's going to be able to give fighters problems whether he becomes a champion again is another question but after that performance, I'd like to see him go on and fight the winner of Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius, and I'd like to see the winner of that potential matchup then go on to challenge for a world title. That's what I'd like to see, ideally, but we don't live in an ideal world, and with boxing being the way it is, things could dramatically change at the shift of a fight. So we'll we'll get to see how things do pan out over the course of the next 12 months. For Ortiz, just going back to him, he put on a valiant display, but I do think his time as a feared heavyweight. I think his time as a feared heavyweight is is past. And I think, yes, yeah. you could still stick him in that top 10 if you want to. But I think when you said he's a gatekeeper, he's starting to become that. He's definitely starting to become that. I think if he takes a loss now to anybody other than a top fighter in that sort of top four or five, then maybe you would start to consider him that. But end of the day the guy's 43 years old again people suspect he's more to 50 than he you know he actually is 43 and if he is that then fair bloody play to him for for sticking it out and and hanging it with these guys the way he's been doing over the past few years so fair play and big credit to him because you know he's he's a really tough durable hard-hitting opponent and he's been a good opponent for for many a fighter and i'm not discrediting him just because he's lost to andy ruiz i just think at his age now how many more fights like that can you take i mean charles 
Martin dropped him in their fight before he went on to successfully beat Charles Martin. It's obvious that his punch resistance is waning because of his age, more than likely, and I think it's probably time for him to maybe start stepping down or even retiring. So, I, overall, yeah. Johnson, I just enjoyed the fight. I enjoyed the fight itself. I thought it was a good fight. I, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the event itself. You know, we, we look at the undercard and the, the main fight that other people wanted to see on there from a UK perspective or that we were aware of more than anybody was Isaac Cruz and his stunning second round KO as well. I mean, he's a fighter we've been really enjoying watching, you know, after his fight with Javonta Davis, his slugfest with Davis. You could see that there was definitely something there where you could think, this guy will be really good fights with top contenders. And I think he's just proven that he's still there and he still needs a big fight. Absolutely. And I think, I think the other thing with Isaac Cruz is I think uh, if anyone felt that the Davis victory over him, you know, wasn't a good victory. I think that as time's worn on now, you've seen how dangerous Isaac Cruz is. And I think that just credits Davis, doesn't it? For the performance he put in against him and also shows how, how, how much of a ruthless finisher he is, because that was a, a devastating finish, a lovely, lovely left hook originally that, that almost dropped his sort of mouthpiece out. And then uh, to to uh, to the credit of his opponent, he managed to get himself back again in Ramirez and, and he got himself back to his feet when I thought, to be honest, I thought that was it. I thought it was out for the count. And then he's, he's obviously, um, it, it was inevitable what was going to come. Um, he's, that first, sort of as he sort of pushed him into the corner looking for the second knockdown, he's hit him on the shoulder and then he's, the way he threw that left, you could see the venom and the power in that shot. And then he followed it up with a right straight after. Um, a, a really tr- tremendous finish from Isaac Cruz. And he's, he's a live wire, isn't he? He really is. He's great fun to watch. And the crowd loved it. Cla- crowd love a knockout. I mean, they're talking about a potential um, rematch. I mean, I would see it. I think Isaac, um, you know, he, he's, he's, his stock has risen to the point where he could get a Davis fight again. But I just think it'll end up being the same way because uh, Davis is just better than he is personally that's what I feel um, I think it'd be a bit of a step back for Davis but Cruz look he, he's a live white and he's, he's young he's going to get better so uh, but a great finish yeah definitely a great finish I think it'd be an interesting concept for him to fight some of the bigger names I think he'll definitely get a big fight again definitely going to get yeah. a big fight again without a shadow of a doubt it just depends against who it's going to be obviously some of the guys at the top are currently tied up at the moment with potential scheduled fights coming up so it just really depends on on the sort of the fight dates that are able to be provided for him and the, the sort of likes of the opponents that are going to be not tied up so it just depends but if he keeps doing what he's doing with fighters like Eduardo Ramirez then he's going to continue to get credit his stock's going to continue to rise and then there's going to be more talk of him fighting these big names again do you know I think if you look at the likes of Davis Haney Cambosis Jr Vasilomachenko still around there you know there's potential for fights with either one of them at some point when there's a fight date available where neither of them are tied up so it's exciting to see you know I think he's he is a live wire is he an exciting watch and he's definitely going to be a crowd favorite because of that exciting style that he's got so yeah I'm interested to see you know where he goes from there just rounding up that particular card before we move over to Saturday night's action in Liverpool there's a couple of fights on there that 
Lukey was mentioning, obviously he covers a lot more of the American boxing than what we do on the pod. So he was mentioning Raiz Alim got a good victory, 19-0, and now moves to 20-0, unanimous decision over Mike Plainia. And then you got Abner Mares drawing, majority draw up with Miguel Flores on there, Charles Martin also getting a KO victory on the undercard as well. And then Jose Valenzuela losing dramatically in the third round to the late replacement, Edwin De Los Santos. And it was for the WBC Continental Americas Lightweight Championship. Bit of an upset there on that particular card. So that's a roundup of, of the Andy Ruiz Luis Ortiz fight and that particular card from our perspective. But we're going to move to the UK action now. We're going to start talking about the headline act in Liverpool. Liam Smith and Hassan Maquinio. That was a very strange ending to that particular fight. And there's a little bit of controversy around it. There's a little bit of talking points for us, I think, from our perspective. Just, I'm just wondering like, what your thoughts are on the on, on the ending of this particular fight. It was just weird how he seemingly, McQueenio seemingly rolled over his ankle and then complained about the ankle on a few occasions. And then seemingly sort of takes a bit of an onslaught from Smith, starts to to go down but doesn't look like he actually touches the canvas on one occasion but yet Smith still punching down at him to me it looked like he was punching when he shouldn't have been punching but then when I looked at it a couple of times it didn't look like his knees were on the floor but he was crouched so low McQueenio that the referee decides then to call it a knockdown and then starts to give him a standing eight count and then it proceeds to happen again once he returns and the action resumes the same thing happens again McQueen sort of backs off puts his arms up as if to say no no that that you know that's me starts to squat down Liam Smith then starts to throw punches in which I thought to be honest with you I didn't understand why he did that but he continued to do that in frustration more than likely and then the referee just waves the fight off and I'm thinking what the hell is going on here what is McQueenio playing at why is he doing this has he just quit the fight with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why is the referee ending the fight? For what reason? And it it just seemed a bit chaotic at the end, yeah. What did you make and interpret from the ending of that fight? Oh, it's just a mess, an absolute mess. The referee lost complete control of his fight. Um, and it, that McQueen, I mean, he does dip, doesn't he? He fights quite low and he was fighting quite low in the fight. And uh, so so Liam was having to punch down pretty much all the time. So, you know, for the first one, I, I think, you know, I know he rolled his ankle and then he's sort of gone down and I sort of don't blame Liam. He's in the middle of throwing a few punches. You know, you're not going to, especially when you're at free flow, trying to throw a combination together and someone sort of all of a sudden goes down, you're going to get him a few times. I think the second time was a bit suspect, but is that first time the referee really should have just taken command. He should have said, right, he gave him that standing eight count. And then he should have thought in his head, maybe there is an issue with his leg, maybe or his ankle, whatever it was. Maybe this is, you know, he's, he's got to be on the ball at this point. You know, this inevitably it's down to the referee to then take control of the situation. And I don't think he did that. Um, the Liam's, you know, maybe you should have had a word with Liam even and just said to him, look, you know what, you've hit him a couple of times when he's down, just be more cautious of that. So maybe in the back of Liam's head, he may have thought, okay, if it happens again, 
I, I might not be so, uh, so so aggressive in wanting to to to, to keep throwing a combination on him. Look, you know, I've seen worse situation where guys have been disqualified. So I can understand where people are saying an element that Liam Smith probably should have been disqualified for that. But then again, you know, his opponent's gone down, and and again, the referee didn't warn him first time. There was a lot of elements to it. It was all over the place. The corner man sort of. McQueenos corner man's getting involved. I don't really understand what he was moaning at. Um, I mean, if you want to, if, if you're fighting and you want to take an E, you take an E. The opponent should then back off, and then a referee should just, you know, say to the guy, "Are you okay to continue?" Kind of thing. And he could have done that the second time, and then to then wave it off as well. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? I mean, that's where I think the referee completely lost the plot. He didn't know what the bloody was doing. Um, he's obviously never been in a situation like that before, and he's made a bad situation even worse. And um, and I don't think the corner helped, and um, it was just a weird one, wasn't it? Really strange one. Uh, maybe the the, the uh, twisted ankle obviously played its part. Um, yeah, I, I mean, people have said, is it should it be a no contest? You know, I, I know there's mentions of Edwards, the Edwards fight when he he his fight would become a no contest because he got hit when he was down. So look, I think um, I don't see the point in a rematch. I think uh, Liam Smith moves on. You just literally wipe the slate clean, move on. Is a bit of a downer. Is a disappointment. I don't think anyone really understood even Ben Shalim coming and he was sort of like. He didn't know what to say, did he? Everyone was a bit like, well, this is all a bit strange. And uh, it was I felt sorry for the people that paid money to go and watch that because um, that, was, that was really shit for, for a main event. Well, for me, the way it sort of panned out, I watched it a few times in the aftermath when they were showing the replays, when Sky was showing the actual replays of how things went down. On the first occasion he goes down, it doesn't actually look like he, he's taking a knee. Uh, my wife pointed this out to me. She's like, he's not taking a knee. He's just squatting so low. His knee's not yeah. touching the floor. And even my wife knows the rules of the sport. And she's like, look, <laughs> the knee's not touching the floor. So Liam Smith's well within his rights to still carry on punching. He's not defending himself, which is, I think, something Liam Smith was mentioning. Like, why are you not defending yourself? He was getting pissed off because of the fact he wasn't defending himself, because he was going so low that technically he wasn't really should have been... I don't think he should have been given a standing eight count by the by the rules. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and, and people no, can cor- correct yeah, us. Right. Well, people can correct me if I am actually wrong and I've seen something different, but this is just recollection of watching the fight live. It, it didn't look like his knees touched in the first instance, but he was given a standing eight count because it looked like he wasn't able to defend himself properly. So maybe the referee's right in that regard for doing that, but it's the second occasion. I'm not too sure what happens really there. The fact that he's back off, the referee makes a call because he's made that call looking at McQueenio, probably knowing McQueenio doesn't want to fight, and that's what it looked like to me. He's, he, he doesn't want to be in there, so he's looking for a way out of there, which is what Liam Smith was saying. He's looking for a yeah. way out. I, I knew he had quitting him because he'd sparred him before, so it looks like he was looking for a way out. In the middle of a fight, you can't just back off with your arms up and say, that's it, it's over. You've got to protect yourself at all times. Just remember Floyd Mayweather, Victor Ortiz. <laughs> yeah. That particular yeah. incident, it brings back a little bit of memories of, of that, where Victor Ortiz is doing a lot of headbutting, and it doesn't get called. He starts, he walks away with his arms up, sort of says sorry to Mayweather, not protecting himself. The fight is still going on. The referee's not intervened. Mayweather just clocks him with a one-two and puts him down. And, and that's kind of similar to what Smith was doing there. The difference between the Charlie Edwards fight and the Martinez fight with this one was that Charlie Edwards was actually down with his head between his legs at the point where Martinez clobbered him. 
that's completely different. Yeah. McQueenio wasn't. McQueenio was actually dipped really low with his hands up in the air. So effectively, it looks like he's still in play, essentially, with the fight. He was looking for the referee to step in, and the referee does step in, and he calls a halt to the fight. The corner complain about it. Smith pissed off because he's been robbed of a legit, decent victory, and you can understand his frustration in wanting to put on a performance, when really, for the, for him, this is a tick-over fight. It was a dangerous tick-over fight on paper, but it was a tick-over yeah. fight for him. It was a fight to get him prepared for a potential world title shot in the next 12 months. His last run of the dice. You know, this was was his opportunity to to keep ticking over it won't surprise me now for smith if he has another fight to keep himself active before potentially being lined up for a world title fight because this it, it was a little bit of a shit show it was for him as a fighter for mcquino it's not going to do him any favors because you know no one's going to look at him now especially uk-based promoters are going to say i don't want this guy over here if you know this is the sort of thing he's going to do he's going to get paid for coming over and doing stuff like that they're not going to want to pay him to do that so i don't think you'll see him fighting another another uk fighter for a while put it that way um but i feel sorry for him yeah. i feel sorry for smith it really it, it dampened what was a really good night for natasha jonas because that fight yeah. prior to it natasha jonas patricia Berghout, which is what we'll move on to now for me, was the best fight on the card. It was a very, very enjoyable fight. It was great to see her become a two-belt champion in the division. And I didn't know a lot about Burkhal at all. In the preview show, I was saying to Luke, I don't really know a lot about her. And that was being totally honest with our listeners. I didn't really follow her career. I knew she was undefeated. I watched a little bit of highlights of her prior to doing the episode and knew that she, she might give her a bit of a test but I was quite confident that Natasha Jonas would come through with a unanimous decision, and she did. And she had a couple of hairy moments in there, but she looked in control throughout the course of the fight. And even at the age of 38, and I forget, Tasha's now 38 years old, you know, she's still got that hunger and desire to achieve the goals that she always set out to do. At one point, I didn't think she was ever going to be a world champion. I was I was gutted that she might not actually make it there. And now she's achieved it and now got two belts in the division. Now she wants to clean that division up. That just shows that she, she's got that hunger and desire to still do that. And there's definitely another potential fight on the cards for her down the line. Overall, great fight. Best fight of the card probably saved the show in general because there was a few incidents on the show in general that were wasn't the best it wasn't the greatest turnout of the show in terms of some of the fights Fraser Clark's in particular and then obviously Liam Smith's yeah. and McQueenos and I think this fight saved that show in terms of credibility of, of, of what I was looking at on the night absolutely and, and she stole the show Natasha uh, not for the first time she does it quite often doesn't she she's a she's a great watch and She's like she's like improving. She's almost like the uh, female Linares, you know. She's like a fine wine. She matures uh, the, the further on she goes in her career. And look, she, she her ambition was to be a world champion. She's done that, and now she's she's become a unified champion. And uh, it just seems like once she once she sort of finds that, but she has a benchmark and she meets it, then she just thinks, well, I might as well go a bit further then until eventually you know like every fighter eventually you become a cropper but why not she's got a great opportunity and she boxed well she really did save the show barring that first round she won every single round without foul I mean she was she, everything she was supposed to do she did she listened well in, uh, to Gallagher in the corner you know she done everything she was supposed to do she got in close enough to, to, you know, the, the other girl, she was a lot taller, wasn't she, Patricia? And she had, you know, she could have really fought on the outside and jabbed her way in. Known to be a fast starter as well, the Swede, and she didn't. She, I mean, she started quite quickly in the first round, but Natasha put a 
literally a full stop to that straight from the off, put her under a lot of pressure through great combinations, body and head. Uh, she looked really, really good. I really enjoyed her performance. And as you say, she did steal the show. I, you know, she, without that, um, the show would have been a complete failure. And, and you mentioned Fraser Clark. I mean, you've got to give Fraser Clark a lot of credit as well. The fact that he's he's gone on, got rid of a body against the guy that never had no business being in a ring. And um, some fighters afterwards would say, you know, another knockout and how they're gonna, what they're going to do next. And he was with Ben sitting next to him. He said it, he put him, he's like, you know, I can't be fighting these guys, mate. You can't be doing this for the paying customers or for me. It's not going to help his progress. And I like that. That's refreshing from Fraser. It was refreshing for him to say it. He needs to say this. At the end of the day, yep. the reason he needs to say it, he's not a spring chicken. He started his professional career really late. He's been an amateur for so many years. You know, the guy's in his 30s. The guy needs to be fighting opposition. He needs to be fast-tracked. Simple as that. You know, you don't normally say that about a fighter turning professional, but because we know him, and we know he's got all this amateur experience behind him, years of it, we know that it's now or never for him in the professional game. He's got to be good opponents. He's got to fight really, really good world-class opponents. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's got to fight like the top 10 of the heavyweight division, but what I'm saying no. is that he needs to be fighting like at least top 30 going into top 20 opponents. He can't be fighting journeyman fighters coming over to get paid for him to blow out because what will eventually happen is when he does come up against a, a legit opponent, he's, he's not going to be prepared for it. I think the best comparison I can make is that of Joe Joyce. The way Joe yep. Joyce's opposition started to step up about four or five fights in and he starts to get these names on his record, names that were former champions, names that had fought champions in the past and I think that's the sort of route he needs to go down and that's what Shalom needs to get him, them type of fights because that's the only way he's going to progress progress quickly and be able to be up the top of that card fighting in the next year or two big name fighters or big name domestic fighters at least so I'm interested to see you know that publicly that sort of public question to Shalom what that does for him and whether he'll then get him decent opponents and deliver what he's asking for so yeah it's a, it's a really good point to make uh other fights on that card then, we've not mentioned Aziz versus Pitters, which was a fight I was really looking forward to and a fight that I think it, it did deliver. It did deliver on some levels for me. Uh, I think a lot of people thought Pitters was going to win this because he was such a taller man in there and Aziz, well Aziz is a, he's, he's a small stature light heavyweight isn't he like he's five what is he five nine five ten i know mike tyson was like five ten in the heavyweight division but as easy is, is quite small in this day and age for a light heavyweight so he made that size work to his advantage against pitters and you know i thought this was going to be a, a late stoppage for for Aziz that's kind of what I predicted would happen in this fight but he went to the distance but I thought he was really good and then he's always delivered on what I thought he would in his career so far having seen him from day one and followed his career from the small hall circuit to to now television it's great to see him getting the plaudits now nationally and on Sky Sports because he deserves it and he put in a really good performance against Shaquem Pitters who is no easy opponent to go in there with his advantages that he had you would have thought that it would have been an easier night for Pitters but it turned out to be a really difficult one for him it did and he, it was uh, for me it was with Shaq it was um, more a reaction rather than uh, dictating the fight you know for, a, for such a tall guy he should have worked behind the jab fought on the outside um, but as he closed that gap really well he got in low you know he, he's he's mentioned 
Hagler is his favourite fighter. He's got the, the the socks like Hagler, and he had almost like the Foreman shorts on. It was a it was a good performance from him in terms of you knew what he was going to get with Aziz. He's going to get low. He's almost a bit like fights a bit like a Joe Frazier. I mean, I'm not saying he's anything like Joe, but the way he goes low, he gets his head low, and he gets in and throws to the body, throws to the head, throws to the chest, and and you know. He's not fighting to take a shot. Whereas, uh, yeah, Shikan, I think I don't think he dictated the fight. I feel like for to be the, a taller fighter and to be fighting on the outside, and when you want to try and take this on points, you, you've you've got to dictate. You don't react to it, and I think that's what he was doing. He was reacting to everything Aziz did, especially sort of from the middle rounds on. And I think that's where Aziz really took control. And he was pretty much in control. It was full at his pace. It was full at his style. But it was it, it was a fight that. We felt with the with the two contrasting styles that maybe it'd be a bit better than it was, but I think what you see was Aziz, you know, the Lewisham lad. Not you know, I was born in Lewisham myself, so uh, it's great to see uh, him flying the flag for for Lewisham and South East London. Um, but a good performance from Aziz, and uh, on to bigger and better things. And I know Lyndon Arthur's been mentioned, Sean. So what about that? Good fight for him. Certainly a great yeah. step up, step up that he needs. If he's going to move on in his career, now's the time to do it. Lyndon Arthur needs a good opponent to return. He needs a good competitive opponent. What perfect way to do it? I mean, British title on the line. Why not? Great fight. Yeah. Both both need this push. Both need this opportunity. Great fight. I'm cer- I'm I'm certain it'll probably happen in the next twelve months. So another good fight for the card then overall, Johnson. So I'm just going to round up the rest of yeah. this particular card before we close the show. Adam Azim got a first round KO again, moves to six and zero. Diego Costa actually lost on points to, to Musa Moyo, who was four and zero, fellow undefeated fighter. Paddy Lacey moves to seven and zero. Obviously, we've mentioned Fraser Clark. Nathan Qualis moves to eleven and zero. Frankie Stringer, Scott Forrest, and Clark Smith also got victories on this particular card and that is pretty much it for the roundup of everything that happened over the weekend it's been great to do i've really enjoyed it it's a a really big week for women's boxing we're going to be doing a preview show look out for that shortly shields versus marshall and we've got mayor versus baumgardner a a really good double header and an all-female card as well so we're going to be talking about that and putting that episode out very shortly as well but for now as always thank you you for listening thank you for watching slash listening on youtube make sure you follow us and find us at btr boxing pod on twitter facebook instagram youtube make sure you subscribe to us on there on all available podcasting apps that's it for this big fight reaction show thank you for listening and we'll see you next time Podcast Network.